I will praise the name of God with a song, and will magnify Him with thanksgiving. O oh, magnify the Lord with me, and let us exalt His name together. Let them shout for joy and be glad, who favor my righteous cause. And let them say continually, Let the Lord be magnified, who has pleasure in the prosperity of His servant. Alright, so we're going to get a little nerdy for a second, which is pretty normal for me. Uh, <clears throat> You guys cool with being a little theologically nerdy? Raise your hand if you're okay with that. Okay, good. I realize that most uh, most of you are Sunday schoolers, but some of you uh, have found out found out about the retreat online and have never been to Sunday school, and so you might not know. Like, man, why, why are we getting into all this theology? It's deep. It's like, well, that's what, that's usually what we do. It's just part of who we are. So I I, I joked about this a couple weeks ago. I said, if you can learn, uh, how do I say? If you can learn how to order those drinks at Starbucks and learn all their uh, sizes and the frappalappa, mocha, chino, <laughs> ding dong, the other stuff. If you can learn that stuff, then you can learn theological terms. And so I have two for you. Uh, for many of you that you might already know these terms, one is transcendence. If you're taking notes, it's spelled T-R-A-N-S-C-E-N-D-E-N-C-E. Transcendence. Use it in a sentence. God is transcendent. He's bigger than us. He's awesome. And the other word is um, in some ways opposite, but also true of our God. It's the word eminence. I-M-M-A-N-E-N-C-E. Eminence. Use it in a sentence. God is eminently with us. His eminence is present. Uh, when, when we are here, we are gathered. His presence is among us. So God is transcendent. He's above his creation. He's bigger. He's, he's, he's outside of his creation. He has made his creation. And then he is also inside his creation. He is imminent. He is with us here and now. And there's different religions that stress different things about God. I think of Islam uh, really stressing the transcendence of our of who Allah is, and we would say, uh, yeah, Allah, He in some ways is like the God of the Bible. He is big, He is holy, He is other. But then in Islam, I can't find the imminence of God that we, as, as followers of Christ, believe in. That in Islam, that God is far away, and He's kind of an angry God. And um, it's really up to him what happens to you, your eternal salvation in Islam. And you could, he could just be, have, I've heard a Muslim say it this way. It's like, well, he's just, he's just so high and above us all that he could just be having a bad day and sends you to uh, destruction when you die. It's all up to him. It's not, it's all him. We would say, as Christians, we'd say, well, what about God's imminence? God is here. He is with us. And there's other religions, I think of uh, like an Eastern, at least an Americanized version of Buddhism or Hinduism that says uh, that you will actually become a god. You are a god. That God is in creation, pantheism. That God is so close to us that he's really not all that in control. And, and as Christians, we'd say, no, God is fully in control. He's transcendent. Or maybe Mormons would say, uh, they would say something like, um, God is so imminent that one day we will actually become a God. And, and, and that we would say, no, God is totally other. He's transcendent. He's beyond who we are. He created us. We can't become him. We can't become like him and that we would become another God. That's, that's blasphemy is what we would say as Christians. So, transcendence and imminence. Transcendence means God is above. Imminence means God is with us. Good. So, 
This retreat, we're really going to concentrate on the transcendence of God. But I thought I'd open this message. Um, I'm thinking through what I, I said last night about our, our whole direction is to God and who He is. And He is holy. And at the same time, He's also with us. We can't forget that. There's a lot of things in the Christian religion that are that seemingly opposite but are true at the same time. Like transcendence and imminence. Like God's threeness and His oneness. Like Christ's divinity and humanity. Like those are all opposite things, but are both true at the same time. And the God we worship is both transcendent above us, and He is here with us. And that's an important understanding as, as we as we progress in this retreat. Talk about magnifying God. Uh, we also hold that He is He is with us. He is here. Jesse, where is he? Jesse Burton. Uh, he's over there. Um, he pointed out yesterday. He was like, "Oh, it's got it's kind of like a prophetic word," and that. Okay, this retreat is all about us giving our worship to God. And he's pointed out, like, but there's imminence too. Like, what can we bring to God as a gift to Him unless He first gives it to us? Like, what do we have on our own? We have nothing. We have been created. We have been given something, and we give it back to God. And so the, the first, however you think about it, the transcendence and imminence is both there. So as we worship, um, as we sing songs, I was, I was thinking about um, the challenge I gave to the worship leaders, Erica uh, and, and Aaron and, and the other guys leading is when they pick songs, I was like, well, let's pick songs that are very transcendent, all about the direction to God and not to us, which if, if you're a worship leader, you're like, that's kind of hard to go through the lyrics, go through the choruses. And it's like, Oh wait, this song has, has a couple lines where we're worshiping God, but then it's really just about uh, Him coming to us, which is imminence. But this retreat, is the, the direction of it is transcendence. We're really honing in, focusing on God's transcendence, while of course not forgetting His imminence. And tomorrow morning we'll uh, share a message that is more, much more imminent related, that God is imminent and with us, and we'll take communion and go from there. So... Um, I think we need more woe in our spiritual life. Like, whoa, God. I think about um, us that have lived in Colorado Springs for a while. We could, if on a clear day, we could all point to Pike's Peak and say, yep, there it is. Yeah, how cool is that? Yeah, pretty cool. But then, like, when you meet someone that just moves to Colorado Springs, they are usually like, whoa. Look at that. Praise God. Look at Pike's Peak. And then sometimes they're like, which one is it? Like, <laughs> that, the highest one, duh. And sometimes they'll even say, well, which one's the highest one? <laughs> duh. And they're like, well, that one looks like it's higher uh, than that one. If you look on the horizon, you're just like, have you never seen a mountain before? Like, clearly, Pike's Peak is further away. And it doesn't have trees at the top. That one might look like it, but we're closer to that one. So that, that one looks like it's higher, but it's not. Have you had this conversation with your friends? And they're like, which one's Pike's Peak? And it's like, well, how can you not know? It's the tall one. Duh. And then they're like looking on the horizon, like, oh, that one looks a little taller. No, it's closer. You look, it's Pike's Peak. It's, it's awesome. It's, it's, it's wow. And we can lose the, the wow factor of our, in our lives and our spiritual life. Uh, there's a great quote by A.W. Tozer. You, many of you probably know this quote. You can write it down if you want. Um, comes from one of his books. I think it's the um, 
It's either the knowledge of the holy or uh, the knowledge of man. Is that his other book? No, you don't even know what quote I'm about to give you. <laughs> Here's the quote. What comes to you, it's probably as famous, maybe you do. What comes to your mind when you think about God is the most important thing about you. You know that quote? Where is it from? Knowledge of the Hill. Okay. Um, A.W. Tench is a strong Christian man who was never, as far as I know, never formally educated, educated himself and who God is, wrote books about how awesome and holy God is. And when we were, uh, let's see, me, my, my wife, uh, Matt Kinney, wherever he is there, is Victoria, we came to this camp. Uh, to check out camps, we were checking out other camps, so we checked out this camp, we're like, oh, this is the place we're going to be, and on the way back, we're like, well, what should we talk about, and all I had at that point, this was months and months ago, um, October, that's like forever ago, um, I was thinking, all I can think about is, we should, we should spend a weekend talking about God, and they were like, <laughs> what about it, and I was like, well, the, 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 the knowledge, like the, I'm thinking about the knowledge of the holy, that book Ado W. Tozer wrote, that's just a book about the attributes of God, how awesome and how big and how holy He is, and our direction in our life should be all to Him. Our worship should be totally to Him, and we, that we should bring back some whoa in our life when it comes to how big God is. And so I'm going to give you a, 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 an analogy of the bigness of God. It has to do with um, kind of like what we were going back to yesterday, the telescope and viewing this vast, inexhaustible expanse of what God has created and taking just a tiny little piece, like yesterday we talked about Saturn, and trying to make it as, as big as it is, trying to understand, like, wow, this is amazing. And we, we don't put God under a microscope. That would be blasphemy. We don't take a small God that's in a box and, and we make him bigger than he is. That's blasphemy. So I have um, some planets and suns to show you. Is that cool? Right, hold on. Alright, this this is the sun right here. It's a it's a soccer ball. Uh, I don't have a real soccer ball, but it's my son's soccer ball. It's nice and soft, so you can throw it around the house and not break it. So this is our sun, which is a star. Did you know that? That suns are stars, stars are suns. Um, Does anybody want to hold this one? Okay. Mm. Oh, so, of course you don't. <laughs> so that's the sun. If it was really the sun and it was that side, this whole room would be melted. Um, so if that's our uh, sun, then the earth would be this tiny little... Uh, I dropped it on accident. I have it. There it is. So this is the Earth. So if that's the Sun, if that's roughly the size of the Sun, then this, can you see that little peppercorn-sized rock? It's a white little rock uh, that I found outside. This would be the size of the Earth. Can you see yourself on it? There we are. There's Dubai on that side. Uh, so here, I'll give this to you, Michael. You can hold that. <laughs> so that's the um, if that's the sun back there, and that's the Earth. Then, then roughly according to these sizes, they would be something like eighty-one feet apart, which is maybe the entire stretch of this whole room. And it's like, wow, that's wow. Say wow. 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 Like God created that. And the sun, okay, the sun, okay, get my mind around the sun being a soccer ball, then the earth would be this tiny little peppercorn of, of, a, of a rock, and it would be 81 feet 
away from each other, and, and they'd be going around in the elliptical orbit that you learn about in sixth grade uh, science class. And then the Earth, uh, we look from the Earth and see in the dark sky lots of stars, right? The closest star that we know about is a star called Proxima Centauri. Hopefully I'm pronouncing that right. And it is about one-seventh the size of uh, our sun. And it is maybe about this size, the size of a golf ball. This is roughly one-seventh the size of that ball, maybe. Um, Where would we put this one? So So this is the next closest star. And of course... There, there may be more sand on the earth than there is stars in heaven. So this is just the closest one that we know about. Who, who wants this one? Evan? Okay. Try not to get hurt. Um, so Evan is going to go put that ball uh, where it needs to be. As this, if that's the sun, he's going he's gonna to start walking. And Evan is going to walk west. Which way is west? <laughs> it's funny. Everybody's like... <laughs> <laughs> figure that out later Evan's going to start walking west and he's in this camp and he's going to put that ball uh, he's going to keep going west and that tiny little ball is just, it's the next closest sun to our star, the sun um, he's going to keep walking west he's going to go, uh, you know where Lake George is it's, it's west of here and then Evan's going to you probably need to get in a car um, <laughs> Lake George is far away and, and then you're going to keep driving west until you hit Colorado's border. And you're going to keep going uh, past Utah. You're going to get to California. It might be tomorrow by this time. Uh, and then you're going to start swimming or get a boat, I recommend. And you're going to go into the ocean and you're going to keep sailing till you get to Hawaii with this little golf ball. And then you're going to keep going past Hawaii till you're closer to China than, than to Hawaii and then somewhere in the middle of the ocean there, about 4,000-ish miles away, you're going to drop the golf ball. You're like, got it, guys! And then take a little selfie or something. It's like, proved it, got it there. Isn't that, don't you want to say, wow? Wow. Wow. Like, that's the creation that we are in, that God has made. This, And if that's like, if we just get a, this is a snippet of like how big our world is, then it's like, well, how much bigger would God have to be to create that? That these things that are separated, that's that's a, a wow thing. I think of Job 38, when Job appears, uh, God appears before Job and talks to him. The whole book of Job is a very interesting book. Some bad things happen to a really good guy, and then Job's friends come to him and say things like, oh, you must have done something wrong. Uh, you must have sinned, but he didn't. He was a good guy, and bad things happened to him. And then at the end of the book, Job is kind of like questioning God. Like, yeah, God, why am I suffering? Why do the good suffer? And then out of, uh, in, in Job 38, God comes to Job and speaks to him, who darkens my counsel with words without knowledge, kind of rebukes Job for being proud, and, and puts him in his place. And God says things like, Who laid the earth's foundations, Job? Who marked off its dimensions? Who set the footings? Who laid its cornerstones? Who set the ocean? Uh, and it said to the ocean, This far you may come, and no further. God did. He's huge. He's awesome. He's big. He's worthy of our worship. Here's another uh, snippet of how big uh, our, our world is. And then from this, we just kind of go, Wow. God, you must be so much bigger 
the, 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 your creation because you are the creator. So um, if the earth was a golf ball, I guess I'll take the golf ball back. In the so if this is now the earth, so before this was the sun, but now it's the earth. So this is a, this is a new... Wait. Sun. But this was a star. That's right. This was Proxima Centauri. So now it's earth. So this is a new, fresh analogy. So this is the earth... And here we are on it. We're probably next to the, the, that little lettering there and divide. So this is us. And uh, there's big stars out there, big, uh, really big ones. One of them is, uh, I just found a lot of data about this one, so I thought I'd talk about this one. The 19th biggest star that we now know of, and, and people with telescopes and NASA is always coming up with like, oh, we found one that's even bigger. Wow, cool. And, and then uh, th- this one gets knocked down on the list. But this one says Alpha Orinus, uh, often called Betelgeuse with a G. It's kind of a weird name from that weird movie a long time ago. Um, but I don't know that. I have no idea why it's called that. Anyways, um, it's in Orion, isn't it? If you know your constellations, Orion is the guy that, that's shooting the arrow. I think it's his hip, the reddish sort of star, is this star, uh, officially named Alpha Orinus. And so, um, so if, if this is the Earth, how big is Alpha Orinus? Okay, if this is the Earth, how many Earths could go inside of this big star, which is much bigger than our sun? Something like a thousand times bigger than the sun that, is, that we are revolving around right now. How many Earths could go into Alpha Orinus? Well, take something big like, um, how many of you have been to a Broncos game and gone to Sports Authority Field? A couple of you this week. Yeah, they didn't, you know, they're not really, they didn't, you know, the whole Super Bowl thing, let's not talk about it. Um, but that's a big stadium, the Mile High Stadium. If you filled up golf balls in Mile High Stadium, if you somehow were, were able to talk to somebody and say, i got this sermon analogy that Joe gave, and I want to get a bunch of golf balls that represent the earth, this is an earth golf ball, and I want to fill, uh, totally fill Sports Authority Field, uh, that's an idea of how many earths would go into uh, Alpha Orinus. And you're like, wow, that's a lot of golf balls, earth's golf balls, going into that big star. And then there's some left over, so you would build another stadium in the parking lot of the, the Mile High Stadium, and then you would fill, you'd have so many left over, you'd fill that one up with Earth golf balls. If this is the size of Earth, and Alpha Orinus is the size of uh, these stadiums that we're going to fill up, and then you'd have some extra left over. So you'd build another stadium to the south of um, the one you already built, fill that one up with golf balls, and then you'd have, some, you'd have enough left over to do that again, and again, and again, until you built... Uh, stadiums all the way to Colorado Springs from Denver and then you would still have golf balls left over and you would continue building stadiums and filling them with earth golf balls until just about Texas. Wow. Our, our God is so big. He could have made that. Like how, like what, where are we living right now that, that is so big, like we, we take a telescope and we look out and we just think there, there's these expanses that we can't even begin to wrap our minds around. 
Uh, NASA came out this, this month with a photo on January 5th. Maybe some of you saw, how many of you saw the, the, the biggest photo from Hubble as, as recently? Lots of you. Um, so it's, it's, it's uh, something like 1.5 billion pixels. It's the Andromeda Galaxy, which is next to Cassiopeia. If you know your um, constellations that, that W, the Queen. If you look up in the sky, it's like the tiniest little, you know, little thing. This like, put your finger like that, and it's like just a tiny bit of light would come through, and you could put it up, and that would cover the Andromeda Galaxy. And NASA has zoomed into that and taken this picture, 1.5 billion megapixels, or pixels. I, I don't know. That that's the kind of stuff just blows my mind how that works. But um, they have this video of it zooming in, and you can probably find it on Facebook or on the YouTube's. Um, they zoom into this picture and it just keeps going in until like the sky is white. Like we look up and it's like, oh, that's a dark area right there. No, that's the Andromeda galaxy and it's actually the closest galaxy to our galaxy, the Milky Way. And you zoom into it and then it just becomes white with stars. It's like, wow. And I asked Courtney if I had permission to tell the story. She said, sure. She's the one that showed me the video. And she said that in her living room she was watching this video and she just started bawling. Like overwhelmed with the bigness of where we live, the bigness of the Creator God that has made us, and just wow! Oh, the overwhelming sense of awe and wow! Our the God who created that must be so so big, and how silly of it uh, of it, us sometimes when we put God in in a box and we think we have bits of God all figured out that we could somehow uh, mold God to our thinking or put him in the microscope like last night's analogy and study him and, and, and drop things onto him and, and figure out how he moves. It's like, no, God is totally other. He is, he is huge. We should be consumed by him. And there's this analogy that I keep thinking about of um, like maybe just how we do church and um, the, the consumer mentality that, I, that I'm pointing to myself at and saying, oh, this, I am guilty of this uh, consumer mentality. And, and sometimes as a pastor, selling things to you, uh, the congregation, as consumers. And, and, and this, that we are not consumers. We are to be consumed by a holy, all-powerful God that's bigger than... We can't even imagine the universe and the galaxy, much less the creator of the universe and the galaxy. I think about the consumerism that I know I am guilty of, of um, coming to church and, and wanting to be entertained, and then as a pastor trying to entertain you and, and knowing, oh, attendance dropped, I need to you know, dance a little better, and then you'll, people will come, and I need to entertain this, this idea of, that, that, that comes across as God is really small, and I need to make him bigger than he is so that People will be fascinated. People will be entertained. And, and how silly of us as pastors, how silly of us is it as congregants to be to come to church with a consumer mindset of like, oh, you know, you talk to people sometimes. And some of it, some of the transition from the mill on Friday night to the service New Life Friday night and taking the mill and saying, okay, Sunday school is not a service. It's going to be a place for college students. But we, we for so many years, I think, one of the things that came, kept coming to us in these discussions as staff for, from the mill and New Life Friday night was, are we teaching people to be consumeristic? Because we talked to so many people that would come to a Friday night service when it was the mill 
And it's like, oh, well, well, at this service, I get my community. And, and I go to another church in town, and I get great sermons. The, the preacher there, he's, he's a great speaker. And then I go to another church sometimes, because they have the best worship. And, and we, I think many of us, I know I, at times in my life, have been very guilty of that exact thing. Like, oh, being so consumeristic that church is so about me that God is... Uh, just like I just need to be, you know, get the best entertainment, and that that's so silly. That's that's wrong. That's in some ways, depending on how how much you think about it, blasphemy to God to say that you know we are consumers. No, we are to be consumed by an all powerful, holy God. And I've also been thinking about um, uh, maybe just feeling convicted myself of how uh, I, I view worship and. Um, I often just talk about worship as a thing in and of itself. Like we talk about, oh, worship was good. Worship was fun. Or, or the negatives, because oh, worship was loud. Worship was boring. Worship was uh, whatever. These words, and it's like when you talk about worship like that, without any direction, then it's like, oh, worship is the ends and the means of itself. It's like, no, I've been trying to say things like, worship our God. Let the music was wonderful when we were worshiping our God. Because then it becomes less about the music and more about the one who we are worshiping. So I'm working on my vocabulary. Just being more specific as I consider and grow in my own life as a worshiper. That the, the direction is always to God. And then it, then things sound, then it like puts things in perspective if someone's like, oh, if someone says, oh, worship was too loud. It's like, oh, the, the music was too loud when you were worshiping God. And they'd say, yeah, I guess that's a better way to say it. But really, it's all about God. And, and the volume is just one thing about the music, not about your worship to the Lord. There was this story in the 90s, and um, actually, this is the last little sermon illustration I have for you. We'll end early, and then we're going to give you a time to prepare yourself for spending uh, about an hour. We're going to ask you to spend an hour uh, reflecting on God, worshiping Him, thinking about how awesome He is. You can you go out and, and find a place that this camp is 360 acres and get to some place that you're just like, wow, look at the beauty of the trees and the mountains. And God, you created this. You could do that. You could stay inside and read scripture. You can journal. Uh, I think in my experiences of, of uh, mill retreats, I could look back at every one of them. Uh, we, we've had something like this where we take some time in solitude and corporately we're doing it together, but we're in solitude all over the camp. And, and, and this is such a beautiful place to do that, to worship the Lord and, and, and slow ourselves down, to quiet ourselves so that God could be magnified and we could get to this place of, wow, God is huge. God is awesome. So the story it comes from the 1990s. Uh, it's a, a little church in England uh, in the northwest of London. And it's called Soul Survivor Church. Anybody heard of this church before? You've, a couple hands. You've uh, probably heard of the worship leader at this church. He's written a lot of worship songs. And maybe you're like, oh, I didn't, I didn't know who this guy was. But he's, he's written all these songs that we all know and love and sing. Very prolific worship leader. His name's Matt Redman. He's at this church, and from what I understand of the story is that people were coming to this church because the worship music was so good. I mean, this worship music 
was going out and, and they were selling CDs. And so we got a lot of fame. And people were coming to this church for the worship music. And the pastor, the senior pastor of Soul Survivor Church in the 90s thought, too many people are, are coming just to be entertained. Too many people are coming to be <coughs> spectators of the music and not turning and worshiping God despite the music. It's like the, the thing in and of itself was this music. And Matt Redman's writing all these wonderful songs. And so what this pastor decided to do is, let's strip it all down. Let's strip it all away. No instruments. No microphones. No lights, no tech, no nothing. Let's get rid of all of it and get back to worshiping God and, and get and, and teach people that they are not to come to church to be spectators. They're to come to church in, in worship of a holy living God. And so this church did that. They stripped all the way all the all the instruments, and so it was just people's voice singing. No microphones, no instruments, um, no lights, nothing. And you, you would think that, oh, that, that must have been really cool. Uh, people must have learned a great lesson. And what the pastor talks about is, no, like, attendance just drops. <laughs> people stopped coming. People, all the people that were there to be spectators, all the people there that were, be, were there to be entertained, they left. They, had, they were just like, well, this is, forget this, this is dumb. Um, when, when really the pastor was teaching this great lesson about it's not about... The worship music, it's about your worship to the Lord and the, and the music is this aid that we have as humans to, to think about who God is. But it's not about the music, it's about our worship to the Lord. And so out of that, um, the story goes that Matt Redman wrote maybe one of his uh, pro- most prolific songs. And you probably know this song. Um, and now you know the story behind it. Some of the lyrics are, I'll bring you more than a song. For a song in itself is not what you have required. I'm coming back to the heart of worship, and it's all about you. It's all about you, Jesus. I'm sorry, Lord, for the thing I've made it, but it's all about you. It's all about you, Jesus. So we're going to give you time. About an hour. It's um, 10-ish o'clock. And so to 11 o'clock. Um, on, on your schedules that we're, we're ending now a little early so uh, around 11 you'll be dismissed from this time of solitude and, and there'll be some time to hang out before lunch but we really want you to dig into this time here um, this is not a time to, to nap or to play games or uh, this is a time to, to, to set aside so okay, I'm going to take an hour this morning and I'm going to Worship the Lord. I'm going to quiet myself and in my needs, and I'm going to focus on the Lord and allow Him to come to me as as you approach Him. I've been reading a lot of books about um, kind of like the the early church monks, um, these fathers that would would drop everything and and go out and live in in solitude and, and spend time worshiping the Lord. And uh, what's amazing, they, they didn't do it for an hour. They did it for like years and years. Some of them for like they, they made this decision and went out for the rest of their life, lived in solitude and prayed before the Lord. And many of them wrote books about things that they have learned. And one thing that I've, I kept hearing was like the hardest part of, of solitude is 
the thoughts that come to your mind. I'm sure that you've all experienced this when you're praying and you're trying to concentrate and random thoughts keep coming to your head. Maybe um, dark thoughts, maybe just distracting thoughts. And the, the phrase that I kept hearing some of these uh, ancient fathers say was, treat these thoughts like, like a yapping dog, like cage it. Just get rid of it. Just end it. So as you go in solitude, and we're gonna, what we're going to do is I'm going to pray over you and then we'll leave this room in, in quiet. This, this, as much as you think you need to talk to somebody on the way out, you probably don't. Uh, you can go back to your room, but don't nap. You can find a place anywhere on this camp. The camp is open to you. You could stay in here if you so chose. Um, but we're going to ask you to spend an hour in solitude, um, kind of taking a, a silence about you. Um, and there's things you can do if you're like, gosh, an hour, what am I going to do? You can, you can journal. You can uh, read some scripture if you want some scriptures to, to read for, for, for this to, to direct you. You could read, reread Ezekiel 1, that we read that last night. You could read Isaiah 6, that's I, the vision of the Lord when, that appears to uh, Isaiah. You could read Job 38, that's the passage I mentioned about uh, God coming to Job and saying, who, who are you, Job? I, I am the Lord. And he has all these analogies. Um, Psalm, 50, uh, Psalm 148, Psalm 33, um, Isaiah 55, uh, wonderful passages about the transcendence of God and, and just being quiet before Him and, and allowing yourself to worship Him and praise Him with awe. So I'm going to pray over you, and then it's going to be awkward leaving here in silence, but that, that's what we'll do. And we're asking you to spend an hour in, in solitude and then after that hour's up, it's, it'll be crazy time and then lunch and then lots of fun time. But this time is dedicated to the Lord in, in quiet, in solitude. So, Lord, we come before you. And, Lord, I pray your protection over us as we get quiet before you. Lord, we bind any evil, evil presence, any spirit that wants to distract. And, Lord, we're here to worship you. May the Almighty Lord bless us as we go. May He receive our worship. You are Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And we come before You and we worship You. We give You all praise. We stand in awe of who You are. Amen. We hope you've been spiritually encouraged by listening to this podcast. More podcasts and information about the College and 20-somethings ministry at New Life Church in Colorado Springs can be found at newlifechurch.org forward slash Sunday School.